Yeah, <clears throat> I had a dream last night as well. It was so, so vivid um, that I won the prologue in the Tour de France. Um, and I have a think who was just behind me, but he was a pretty decent rider. And I had like, I beat him by four seconds. But um, it was the first, I don't know if it was the first time in history, but it wasn't my dream, that it was a split stage on the first day. Um, but it was a prologue and then another prologue. So the dream consisted of me taking the jersey. I can remember my red and my yellow Giro time trial helmet and everything. It was honestly, it felt so real. But then I was going into this next time trial, like I could just lose it and haven't even been able to wear the jersey properly, you know, in a road stage. That looks like rare. Yeah, but you can't just leave it like that. What happened in the, in the second prologue? Did you lose the jersey or not? He, you left on a cliff edge. Did you hold the jersey? I mean, Christ, I hope you did. I mean, if you do, if you won the morning one, you should win this, the afternoon one. It's just science. So, anyway, let us know. I'm, I'm tenderhooked here. Proper cliffhanger, that, Pete. Yeah, so I think I woke up before I actually went off in the second prologue and it was all over the news that um, the first person to ever take the yellow jersey and not hold it overnight, something like that basically. And it was all, it got a bit weird towards the end, like different people came into the dream and stuff, you know, and it starts to fade out a bit. So yeah, that was it, but it was amazing. I woke up so happy, like I'd actually had, had won the yellow jersey. Literally felt like... I'd won it for about four minutes and then realised I was uh, back on a family holiday in Turkey. Pete, you doubled up. You've gone a full double, uh, yeah, Man City. Yeah, it's a big, big night tonight. Yeah. Big, big night. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just to, again, paint a picture for our listeners, uh, Pete's uh, still in Antalya, um, sitting on the terrace of his hotel, looking uh, radiant, I must say, regards the bronzing <laughs> and the Turkish bath you shared a photo of us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> shocked us with yeah. yesterday. Yeah. But you are looking, um, you're looking good, even though I'm sure it's been a fair bit of abuse yeah. with the family. Yeah, it's been hard. Well... <laughs> Yeah, I don't feel good. I feel absolutely wrecked. Um, (laughs) It's weird on the way up to the room. And also my arms are just so sore from carrying Alba um, for so long. But I I love doing it, but I have got sore arms. But I thought I've basically been like like a swanny for seven days because you wake up and it's like you need to have the bottles ready to go. Um, (laughs) You need to... (laughs) No, you need to make sure you have you're in the right mm. section for the feed zones. Otherwise, you know, all hell can break loose. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's been it's been yeah. fun, but it's been very yeah, it's been. Uh, yeah. I'm tired. And how how does it feel, Pete? How does it feel now to to have worn the yellow jersey in the Tour de France? Yeah, um, finally. Well, yeah. I mean, you deser- you, nice, but it's been. You deserve it was, that. It was very strange because it felt so real. Um, and I was like really, really yeah. like happy when I woke up. It was like a weird sort of, you know, when you just, you win a race and you have that endorphin, e- euphoria. Euphoria. Endorphin, so that's exactly how I felt. And then, yeah. and then I realized it didn't happen. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love the detail. I love the detail in the dream though. The oh, fact that so what the a heck? Double, like, a double prologue when, split stage. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Like, I've, I've got the shell of jersey, but... The chances of me, because one, I was quite an inconsistent mm. rider and I wasn't a very mm. good time trialer. So the chances mm. of me doing like two really good time trials in one day were, you know, quite small. So mm. can, I do, can I do a micro bit of dream analysis? Because I haven't let myself think about it because until now, so we could do this. I think this is classic UP in the sense that you gave yourself that opportunity kind of to be the best in the world oh. and you did it. But you, even in your subconscious, you created a way to sabotage it. Because, you know, you, you, you have got the talent. You're one of the best 
bike races your generation and you didn't have that opportunity you were then taken back by your old team which was sky now ineos so they took you back they suddenly decided to commit to you you come back you kill it but instead of even in your own dream you decide to give yourself a hurdle and it was like yeah Pete, you didn't need to create that hurdle you got it. You could have, the dream should have been you wake up the next morning and going to the Peloton and everyone loving yeah. you wearing yellow. But you managed to make sure that even on that opportunity, you have manifested a double prologue to make sure yeah. you didn't get the glory. Yeah. Yeah. That's Pete Kenya. You're quite good at this, David. You are quite, I have to say, I've always said Very it, you're good. quite good at wow. analyzing these things. I never even thought about any of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just thought, I just thought yeah, the whole, yeah, I was like really yeah. happy with, with how it went, you know. <laughs> I love the fact that, I love the fact as well. I love the fact you, you beat, a, a, the rider who finished yeah. in second place was really quite a hitter. Right. Do you know who it was? You're not quite well, sure who it was. I, I know you, who, can you tell exactly who it was. was. Um, I had a haircut like um, around May, June time, June time with like a really straight fringe. It's called, <laughs> for anyone who listens to the podcast who's into the house music, he was the Michael Beebe. Um, but he wasn't, so his name is Michael <laughs> but so it's really weird because dreams a lot of the time don't make sense so the weird thing was he was actually Philippe, but he was Michael Beebe if that makes any sense at all do you know how sometimes because it's, well, yeah, it's a dream yeah. that makes total yeah, sense yeah, 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 completely. Completely. that makes total sense yeah. in between yeah. the two prologues which is also really weird <laughs> 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 but he wasn't <laughs> <laughs> But um, he wasn't riding the tour. And I was like, why aren't you riding? You know, like it made, like, yeah. So basically it was Michael Beebe as Alaphilippe um, who wasn't riding at the tour. And that's why I won the prologue. Or why I felt like I'd won the prologue. Mental. Yeah. Wow. We're getting Kudos. To, I mean, Kudos. but this is kind of, we spoke about this. Is there, what's the difference between having felt like you felt and had those few minutes of euphoria post to the well, actual David, experience? Oh, we may going? as well get that jersey made. Because <laughs> then if we, if we keep talking about it, we can actually manifest it no, within you that it did what's happen. what's so wrong about this is yeah. the film and it's called like, with Leonardo DiCaprio where they go into people's dreams. It's called Inception or something. This is Inception. This is why we need to draw a line under the sand and move on because this becomes really unhealthy <laughs> because then you look forward to going to bed so you can relive your parallel life. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to yeah. go there. <laughs> Do you, uh, are you one of those people who can, do you have, do you have repeat dreams, Pete? Is this one that you could repeat? Do you think you could will yourself into dreaming it? Because I, I can never uh, actually, yeah. I never have the same dream twice. But there are lots of people who do the same, like multiple times, yeah, they can just true. play the same, you know, that'd be really cool if you could just say, I want to have the, the yellow jersey dream tonight again. And, and then you could start to yeah. tweak the narrative a little bit, couldn't you? You could just start to change it, move it on a little bit, eventually get to the place where you take, you take both the prologues and then yeah. you could go into stage one. Mm. You nice. Know. That can make it a whole series. But well, yeah, that takes some training, actually. Well, you could just make yeah. a grand tour of it. <laughs> when that eventually happens, Ned, uh, when I go into the second prologue and take the jersey into the next yeah. day, maybe that means that I'm fixed and I'm, you know, I can move on. Yes. Well, this is exactly, exactly. what, in the, if you go through our archive of podcasts when... Ned yep. and I were doing the Giro d'Italia in 2021, wasn't it, Ned? And we were waking yep. up every morning at 6 a.m. And so it was literally, you were fresh out and you were having, kind of yep. just revealing your dreams. And this is how my, my dis the discovery of my analysis was was revealed. Your talent. My talent, your thank talent. you, Ned. Um, yep. But what was really interesting about that was he did kind of cross a line at some point and then just stopped. Completely. It was just That's stopped. so right. You healed me. I healed you. You actually healed me. Yeah. yeah. But then, Pete, that was all about... That was all about, do you remember, David, central to that was this orange football oh, that I'd brilliant. originally, you know, that, that was like, it symbolized my imposter syndrome. Oh, and I used to have to kick it against a wall and, you know, practice kicking it, practice kicking it, practice kicking this orange football until I'd absolutely nailed it. Mm. And then eventually through this huh. whole process, I got out the other side. <laughs> yeah. It was therapeutic. Mm. It was really good. Yeah. It took three weeks. Yeah. So it's a three week program, basically, Pete. Yeah. I'm not doing <laughs> it. You're signing it's up. Every morning at 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get up. Yeah. Yeah. Ned, how's that? Ned, how's the show going? What are you on now? What night? It's great. So I'm on show number seven. I had a day off yesterday that I really enjoyed, actually. Um, but tell you what's just happened. I'm in Froome in Somerset, which is a nice, really pretty, beautiful. very small, very small town. Have you been there, David? Uh, no, but can, my wife Nicole went to Sirencester. Um, 
agricultural yeah. college, which is around the corner. So that's all just just around the yeah. corner. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a really it's a really lovely place. I'm, I've just checked into a beautiful hotel called the Archduke. Um, in the middle of Froome. And guess what, right? So this lad, really nice lad, was working behind the bar. It's one of those, it's a bar and it's a hotel. So you kind of check in behind the bar. You know, it's one of those places. And this lad said, the room's not ready till three o'clock. So that, that stressed me slightly. And then, so I had to go away because three o'clock is exactly when we're recording the pod. So I had to go and walk around Froome for three quarters of an hour with trailing all my luggage around. But then when I came back, he said, oh, are you... Because are you? Did you say your name was Ned Bolting? And I went yes. And he goes, "My mum's coming to see your show tonight." No way. And I went, "Oh, that's 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 great. That's great. Good on her." He said, "Because um, you might know my cousin." I said, "Well, who's your cousin?" And he said, "Fred Wright." <gasps> what? So I've just been I've just been checked into the hotel by Fred Wright's cousin. Are you serious? <laughs> and is Fred Wright's cousin from yeah. London? Uh, no, he's from Froome, I guess. No, but I mean, as he as yeah. he shipped out, have you? You should tell him to go back and listen to the pod about. I don't. I don't. I'm not, so not, if not he's quite up on the whole family. If he's Fred's yeah. paternal, if he's Fred's yeah. paternal cousin, no maternal. maternal cousin. So that means he won't. So Fred, so he's he, Fred's mum's. Oh, oh, whether yeah, he love the jeans or not? So that's, that's what so you're so wondering. No, 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 no. He just, I just whether he'd he'd want to hear the um the the bomb story, the red chicken story. Oh, because that's a paternal story, isn't it? Yeah, no. I get a lot of requests. I think I told you in the show. Because it's the best story I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's so true. <laughs> it was true. fun to tell, yeah. wasn't it? So how's it? Didn't I have to? No, how's the show? Didn't sorry, I have no, to no, do it twice, did it. didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah. you make me do it? Yeah, three times. I was like that annoying yeah. kids oh, in the back. I don't quite know. I had to really go for it. Tell the story again, Dad. Because I loved it so much. Yeah. Well, because didn't the fir- wasn't the first yeah, time I told no. you we, we weren't recording, were we? It wasn't like a podcast. No, no, no. It was just us at dinner. Oh. It was as us at dinner. Oh, oh yeah. it's on my birthday, oh, wasn't it? Birthday. That's right. In, in, in Mejev, the most expensive uh, dinner when, that when Pete you guys picked up the tab. Yeah, thanks, Ned. <laughs> yeah, cool. It was the cool. Alps. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. But yeah. Um, oh. Any cycling content, guys? Have we got any cycling content to wrap up? Got the World Championships going on. Has, has anyone seen any of that? Uh, so, uh, so I saw that uh, Organa has now just done the fastest ever 4K individual pursuit, not like chasing the record, oh, but at yeah. the Worlds. He's now gone, beat Ashton Lambie's record at sea level off the back of his hour record, which is yeah. probably the kind of the blue yeah. ribbon mm. kind of story of the Worlds. But uh, it does seem that GB are got d- their stuff together. Got their stuff they? together. Now, uh, it's. Yeah. It's kind of you're quite surprising. Now, this is opposite to what GB yeah. would do in the past, in the sense that it makes the no next sense. Olympics. Usually, the it's like still next. No, you shouldn't be peaking out. Usually, the year yeah. after the Olympics. Two years time. Two years time. The under twenty three. You just ride you, and, you, you know most. So you're right, David. It's the mm, complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. There's but yeah. There seems a bit of insecurity there. You sh- they shouldn't be going there and like making it rain on the wells in the kind of the first year cycle. But they still the got the record, don't they? Pre- Which? But it's but they might need it. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got the record, and I think in Team Pursuit they killed it. Omnium, our old mm-hmm. boy Hater, who defended it. You know, so I think it's really impressive to see GB coming out, and they might need to do that psychologically because there's been this descending spiral mm-hmm. of the attitude of kind of how we treat them, and kind of from the the kind of the shift of the, the last decade of the post Dave Brailsford, Shane Sutton years, and your years, Pete, in the golden era. To where it's it is now, where it, it it is very different, and it's been completely um, how would I put it? It's not very exciting. It's all very flat. The whole GB program, but then they're getting results, and then they had they've done this, and then they're making it rain this year's worlds. But in the old system, it would be like we yeah. don't care about this year's worlds because it's yeah. it's like we got three Even years David, of work to do. So the shut it year down. I rode in two thousand and twelve. Yeah when we did the Worlds in Australia, um, they didn't even care about the Worlds. We had not, not, none of the kit. We had I had an aero helmet with mm. literally hold, like mm. the breathable holes in that you wear on the road. Mm. Um, and yeah. it was like, this is just the Worlds, you know, save everything for the Olympics. Mm. Normal was skin Was that suits, almost um, deliberate in the sense that, was that, were they actually like, they could have, but they could have given you all that kit, but they actually actively chose to make you slower? I mean, like, were they were they really exaggerating that? Were pulling the handbrake on slightly? Was, and was that a bit of a psychological game with yeah, regards I'm, to the I'm opposition really not sure. as well? Like, we literally had a training, like a skin suit that you just use, if, you know, for everyday training, normal helmets, 
we had the UKSI bikes, but yeah, it's sounds deliberate choice on it basically. So I didn't really think too much about it. We just all the all the lads just said, yeah. oh, we can't yeah. wait to get the fa- if we can go this fast now. Wait until we have mm. all the extra kit and we can I, it's make such yeah, a difference yeah. for the Olympics. For, from my bit of experience from the external of that and just being friends with Bailsford and, and obviously my sister and then and Dimitri's Katzenis and you and everyone else, and I was very much outside it, they used to always have their pre-Olympic, and, and I'm saying they, that's you as well, Pete, that pre-Olympic kind of training yeah. camp or something like yeah. a month before. And that's where they exactly brought out that. the in stuff. New, in Newport, Valadry. And it was like, so then, then so yeah, so they've been like three years of development mm-hmm. on this kit on all the tech stuff, but then also three years of training and psychological kind of preparation that this is the most important thing. The psychology the behind... We don't care about anything else. That on, yeah, okay. But yeah. yeah. And so then it would be kind of, we put this on and then they'd be, and you'd go around and you're like, and it wasn't just the equipment, it's the fact you'd been tweaked so much that the only thing that matters is the Olympics. And you get this yeah. right. And then we'll give you the equipment and then they go on the track and it was like, oh, oh my God, okay. we've never gone faster. But it was also because it was all prepared for that. So it was almost they, they built an ascending spiral of three years and kind of would beat you down and they'd get rid of the people who couldn't handle the fact you're going slow mm-hmm. during that period. It's like, they'd be like, why aren't we getting this? Why aren't we doing this? It's like, it's all a plan. And when it happens, it will happen. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I, I remember I remember that Chris telling us that um, the skin suit they developed for, the, I guess you raced in the, mm-hmm. on the track in 2012, Pete? Oh no, you were. Twi- I, 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 I wore on the road. I did. Yeah. I wore on the road. You wore on the track. I guess. You wore, yeah. 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 So that I think that 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 skin suit had never been worn in a race until uh, the final time oh, trial right. at the Tour de France, mm. where I think and, and I think I, I seem to remember Chris telling me because Chris was still associated with British Cycling. I think yeah. that was his last year, wasn't he? Mm. Twenty twelve. Um, that they there was a bit of wrangling between you know Sky and British Cycling as to whether or not they could even like do that mm-hmm. and it kind of crossed the line a little bit and you know but but anyway they were def- that, that's not really what I was getting into that but they were definitely holding all the technology yeah. back to kind of unleash I was actually at the very last by, moment um, mm. that's the point Shane of that or someone that I can't remember who it was and I think it was Shane but I'm not sure that I wasn't going to make the team pursuit team based off my power and so we used to do these flying laps where the bike would get us up to speed on the top and we'd do pretty much 250 meters above team pursuit pace and my argument against it was, it makes no sense because you're doing that fresh, where the team pursuit, you have to you know, absorb the start off the line, which takes a lot out of you. And then you also, your turns that you do in the team pursuit, you're already at threshold. Your heart rate's at, you know, through the roof at 190, and then you hit the front. And for so many years I said, yeah, I, I understand that it's, it's, and even more so in the last couple of years, or recent years, it's turned into more of a sprinter's type event, hasn't it? with the type of riders who are doing it. But I said, mm. you can't compare a flying lap fresh off a bike to being in a team pursuit already at threshold to then deliver your turn, no. you know what I mean? And I don't know, it's changed a lot, hasn't mm. it, in the last 10 years? I mean, the times have come down. It's mm. it's three minutes, what, it's three minutes 45? It's barely an endurance event, really, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's not. And, it's, and just as, so before we close this, so I was... I'm so old, I was at 2000 Sydney Olympics, and that was the first time. Can you imagine, Peter? Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah, I know, amazing. <laughs> uh, and I remember it being just an absolute game changer. I think it was Germany, it might be Australia, I can't remember, Pete might know, that it was the first time a team had gone sub four minutes. A team. That's like yeah, 22 that's years ago. Yeah. And now you've got an individual going sub four minutes. And the, the yeah. event had existed for f- yeah. 50 plus years. And then all of a sudden, now one person can go faster than a team. But that's tech yeah. and that's, that's mm-hmm. just how the sport's changed. So yeah, so I think that the, 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 the world track cycling is always really interesting just to see because it it's very, it's, there's so few variables. So it's very simple to see the kind of the, the changes and how it works. And obviously we got Pete with his uh, track Olympic gold medal. And how's the post story going by the way, Pete? Yeah, well, there's been legend. a couple of outrages, I know, over the last week. It's been probably Ned picking up off the last pod um, with Shell sponsoring British Cycling. Yeah. A lot of people aren't happy with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? What, uh, with the sponsorship? It's yeah. gone off a little mm. bit, hasn't well, it? You could say. Yeah. Mm. 
Manchester? I think I think the key difference is that um, you know I think the fundamental difference is that the British Cycling are not a trade team. You know they're a statutory, mm-hmm. publicly funded body with certain responsibilities yeah. that are overarching. And also over recent years, you know it's not just about the elite performance program for British Cycling. It's also about active travel and participate. You know and sort of changing. Mm-hmm. You know that's a big big objective of theirs. So it really, I think that particularly makes it very, very hard to see how they square that circle. So I think that's the reason for the <laughs> controversy. Actually, when you put anyway. it like that, then it's quite oxymoronic. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> C- completely, <laughs> yeah. Completely. Oxymoronic means... Uh, it means... Uh, ah, uh, yeah, but, conflict. Yeah. So it's 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 conflicted. It's, it's, inter- putting, it's putting, internally it's conflicted. It's putting two things together that bounce off each other. They're, they're so pulling in opposite directions. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, My question to David is, do you <laughs> automatically say these words or do you have them stored up waiting to deliver them? Because I would never think of saying oxymoron. No, well, Ned... Whatever, he's, whatever you just said. No, so Pete, Ned knows this <laughs> because uh, I I have all these words in my head from the books I've read, but often yeah. I've never actually said them out loud. <laughs> said them out loud. So, so when, when they come out loud, I've often got them wrong. I mean, more often than not. And Ned has to go, what was, there was a, I do it all that the was time. One. There was a, oh, <laughs> what was that one you came up with? Uh, I can't remember. But Pete, honestly, I got loads of words in my head, but they're literally mm. in I my head. I can remember what it is. Yeah. I can remember what it is. Go on. I can remember what it is. Dukey. Dukey. A dukey. Oh, As in a duchy. Right. A, the duchy of Cornwall. A dukey. Yeah, yeah. That was good. Because you'd never uh, said it out loud. It just came. And, but, yeah, but it came out on air, didn't it? In the middle of a commentary. And I'm looking at you, what are you talking about? What's a dukey? <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, loads of I should have like my, my David Soros oh, yeah. would be just like all my David Soros. My David Soros would be like the words I know that I don't know how to pronounce with just phonetic phonetic spelling. Just, oh, this that is, is how you so say good. the word. How to say the word you know. Very good. Yeah. Hey, um, have we finished talking about the track world championships or not? Done. Because like you, you mentioned it earlier, but Hater, I, the only one of the Omnium that I watched was the elimination race. I just tuned in at exactly the right time. I watched the Devil, and. Um, uh, you know, I kind of had half an eye on what people were saying about it online on Twitter at the same time. And I have to credit Katie Madgwick for saying, she pointed out that he just, I mean, I, I pointed, I noticed he was just sitting on the front, literally for the last 20 laps, he was just on the front. Remco. Um, it was extraordinary. Mm. And Katie Madgwick just said, yeah, okay, so he has his track racing personality is the flip the, mm. the exact opposite oh, yeah. of his road racing personality which i thought was really yeah, that's good was really man. interesting that's good. but there's only that's like good. 20 that was people was a really good observation track, so but he, he just doesn't like, like he's at the back yeah. when he's on the front yeah as opposed to like the peloton you know? yeah but pete knows <laughs> yeah. this pete yeah. <laughs> pete also knows this because he was one of the few like cav um and your crew who grew up in track did road then went well to could go to, back to the track and you knew the easiest mm. tactic was just to sit on the front and destroy everybody Sit in the front. Because it was just yeah. like, you were so good, you understood it, and you could just, you were so strong. It was probably often yeah. just, well, eh, just go from the front. I think the road, right, <laughs> well, especially, because like, it's hard to get so around. Depth compared to, with, like, no yeah. disrespect to the other track riders, but, you know, when you've been doing Grand Tours all year, mm. and you just have that ability, don't mm. you, to just sit, mm. he, he knows he can just sit at 400, yeah. whatever, mm. 30, 40 watts for however long a devil yeah. is, basically. Mm. So it just simplifies it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And the other, the, the other thing, that I, oh no, because I, I watched the points race as well. That's right, the, and which he, he again he rode it masterfully and finished. All he needed to do was finish second, and he and he, he won it. Him and Benjamin Tomar oh, worked together, and that Tomar. catapulted Benjamin Tomar up to, to the silver medal. Yeah, but um, but I, honestly, my mind is blown by by you know you talk about race uh, team radios on the on, on road racing, mm. and you know you know put the responsibility on the rider to actually understand the race themselves and all that sort of thing in a points race i mean it's difficult enough for a commentator with all the information yeah. i have no idea how uh, riders y- pete you how do you make that calculate is it well, really is it as hard as i think it might be board like the screen that's got all the screen so it, you, did, you don't really know mm. sometimes you don't know where you're at you have obviously a good idea where you're at in the race in terms yeah. of if you've got a chance of a podium and then you just take a quick glance up to, to the right and you can see, okay, second place, two points behind first, who it is, what you've got to do for the however many laps, you know. But it's, it's not that simple, is it? Because you've got to know how many points That's there are off. still in the so race. So if there's 20 laps to go, like, there'll be 10 points left to win. Yeah. That's just instinctively, you just know that. You just, yeah. 10 points but so but it's not just about what i'm saying it's not just about you is it is it you know you can only you can only affect what 
you can do, but you've got to think about what everyone else has yeah. still got invested and how they might play that out. I think it's, I think tactically, it's an absolute, I think it's an incredible race to watch mm. the points race. And Hater just, I mean, mentally just bossed it, you know, because he beat a oh, hell yeah. of a good rider, Aaron Gate. When, when him and um, Tom I went, Aaron Gate just missed the move completely. And it was, um, it was just super clever to watch. And today I understand that Nia Evans has just won the points race in, uh, for the women. And it's her first world championship. I think I'm right in saying it's her first world championship, certainly in the points race. And she's a rider who I've known for years and years and years and greatly admire. But I honestly, if I was to be completely honest, I didn't think she'd quite ever make that final step and actually win a, a major world championship jersey. And she's done it. Um, and I'm really, really pleased for her. That's an, ex- that's an exceptional result. So you're right, David. Yeah. GB mm. of, you know. And in terms of going back to PR, that's the best possible thing that could have they could have come away from France, oh, yeah. with, isn't it? Like a well, like a load of gold medals. Just stop people talking about shells. Rainbows bit, versus yeah, you know. oil. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Rainbows yeah. always win. Yeah. So no, you're so right. Um, it was bucket hat's sorry, gone. The, yeah, bucket hat has gone back on. The, sorry, the post box. I flicked away from that <laughs> comment. Oh yeah, the post box story. Yeah, yeah. It li- made that went viral, did, didn't, didn't it? it? You were, you became a. Um, yeah, mm. it completely took off. I'm not sure how or why. <laughs> What's the conclusion, Pete? What's the conclusion, Pete? Is this like, a, is it going to... Go, so yeah, basically... He's won. So the difference between, well, social media platforms, Facebook, which I don't have, is has now become like a really... It's, it's all about the community. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to Twitter where, you know, mm. anyone can see it. The difference with Facebook is like you just follow your mm. friends or people you you know will live close by mm. so it yeah it really like the whole of onken yeah. got behind changing it back to gold saying you know every reason why it shouldn't be red and there's no re- and yeah so came out of it quite well i didn't because i Pete, thought i was being a bit self-centered Pete, thinking it should still be gold um but yeah i'm gonna find one message you can talk while i try and find it if you want that someone sent in uh one sec mm. Yeah. I wonder if there are other like um, 2012 Olympians well, in, who've had a similar in England issue. That all I'd fight. I, I'd boxes. fight hard, Ned. I would fight hard. Actually, yeah, I would. So I would fight hard. Well, actually, I would. I'd, I'd Machiavellian lobby people. So to fight someone hard personally for sent this to the, um, <laughs> to the Alamon post office. Are you ready? Af- afternoon. Full stop. Did you yeah, actually get permission from the Kenyans, as previously yeah. stated in your po- in your press release, in regard to turning of the gold post box back to red? Why? Why would we want to erase such noble history? Question mark. Are we not proud to be Manx and noble of a fellow Manx man's achievements? But wow. we've just painted over this. Any response would be greatly appreciated, Ben. Nice. That sounds like a Michael. Sh- that sounds like a Michael Sheen uh, rallying <laughs> oh speech, God, doesn't it? Are we not proud? <laughs> Are we not proud of our history? <laughs> our noble history. Oh, yeah. We are we not proud? <laughs> Shall we erase our history? <laughs> but the, the, the nice little twist, the nice twist to this story that I don't think, I haven't read in all this furore about the postbox, Pete, is your dad Almost 40 is a years. postman. 38, right? yeah. 38 years, I think, next year. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. So that's like, that's a in, double in insult. That's just like, it? this is the most beautiful story that should stand the test of time. And this, this right now is a test of time. If it gets through this... I don't think it's ever, ever... you passed it, and it will be it, there the fact forever. That, so if they really did want to paint never. it back to red at some point, they're never going to be allowed to again because <laughs> of what's going on this week. Oh, but, they, they, no. but, but Pete, but you should say, okay, so you're going to put Char- Charles's face on there now as yeah. well? Are you going to change the initials from ER well, yeah, to CR? Probably. I mean... Um, but yeah, he CR, was CR. You're right. Yeah, it needs yeah. to be CR now. No, you're right. Yeah. There'll be like yeah. there'll be human yeah. chains formed around the post the box from now on. They try the, anything the, like that. There's yeah. a lovely couple who run the post office. Um, uh, messages from them saying they're outraged and oh, it was crazy. But my dad was literally writing, and it made me laugh mm. because it's, we're talking about a post box and what colour it's painted. He was writing a statement, <laughs> 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 and then. Like two minutes before, he just finished it, and then they announced that it's going back to gold. So I was like, "Dad, this is how wars start." <laughs> so yeah, we're all good. This is put the tools down. This is put the weapons this down. Is you don't need to unleash the statement. This is literally how wars start. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ned. So yeah. we were talking uh, 
on our WhatsApp group, which which direction are we going in? Are we going in the fact you visited oh, yeah. uh, the cyclocross, well, uh, or no, are we going I on my Lachlan so, so, night out? Yeah, I, th- we've, I don't know we've got a couple go of pre-recorded for. features. I think I think let's I think you're right, David. We'll go with your version. But I think it's probably worth saying that yesterday on my on my day off in Exeter, I did. Two things. One, I went to watch Exeter City play Oxford United. No, you didn't. Which I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, I did. It cost me 28 quid. I just went and sat in the stand. It's brilliant. Day loved off. it. Absolutely loved it. And my day off. Um, but in the morning, um, Rob Woodger from um, the, the Tour Bay Velo, from Mid Devon CC, picked me up and took me down for a site visit mm. at the Tour Bay Cyclocross. Um, uh, event, which is they've finished building the course, and it's absolutely brilliant. And I got super excited about about our little trip down to Tor Bay at the end of November, twenty oh, so ninth and thirtieth of November. So this is what's in, in our next podcast. You'll hear my site visit, okay? Th- but just ju- just just to sort of remind Ned, it's, it's, uh, our I listeners, nineteenth and twentieth of November. Oh, sorry, sorry. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Nineteenth and twentieth. Nineteenth and twentieth. Just to remind our podcast listeners, yeah. it's on the poster. We've got great artwork. This is going to be, honestly, this is going to be brilliant. Book yourselves. Tour Bay is full of Airbnbs, and um, they're all out of season, so you can get some really cheap accommodation. Dear Never Strays Far listeners, book yourselves some accommodation. Come down for the Saturday night. Hang around for the Sunday. Um, we're going to stay two nights down there, the Saturday night and the Sunday night. On the Saturday night in Tour Bay, we're going to do a little... Very um, elite ticketed event for 50 people. We're going to do a live podcast recording in front of a live audience. Yeah. And then on the Sunday, we're going to be at the cyclocross with our marquee, with Papillon Gin, with maybe a brewery who are going to come on board and a do bike. a limited edition Never Strays beer. With a beautiful Pete's Kotick going to be DJing. That's just been painted up. Pete's you said, are we, are we yeah. staying Pete's over brilliant. Sunday night? Uh, uh, yeah, back. I'm so excited. Okay. I think you, if you can get back, you can go, but I think it might be quite difficult to get back. Okay. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> so I'm going to leave Monday morning. I'm going to leave Monday morning. Yeah. But um, oh, really I'm super excited by the whole thing. Wait. I'm really, I, honestly, because I, yeah. I just, I love, they are so friendly down there as well. Everyone was yeah. just absolutely lovely and bang up for it and really kind of, yeah. it's going to be great. I know. And I, I might bring Archie. I'm going to ride the course. I'm definitely riding the course as well. Yeah, we have to do it. I'm definitely riding the course. I'm genuinely a little bit Concerned regards the forty meter sand pit because already yeah, I, have it's a, long. I have a sand phobia number one, uh, number two sand phobia. I have a bit of a sand phobia. Yeah, yeah. What well, can you can you outline the parameters of your sound your uh, sand phobia? Just, my sand phobia is basically if I have sand on me, I have to get it washed off as quickly as possible. And if I'm if I'm in a city and there's some work going on, and there's sand on the concrete. I have to try and avoid walking on that pavement that's got sand on it because it's like somebody people don't like nails down, down uh-huh. nails yeah, down yeah, yeah, a blackboard. Yeah. Sand does that to or me. Or the skin, yeah. or, or the yeah, skin, yeah. the skin yeah. of a peach. That's why I lived in Beirut for seven years and never surfed because I just didn't go to the beach because I just didn't okay. like sand. Yeah, I can kind of understand yeah. that actually. So it's just my, yeah. I'm getting better now because with kids, I'm trying so to make sure they don't inherit to my surf phobias. So I'm overcoming it. I mean, right. no, just not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, Beeritz. Beeritz is the home of surfing. It is the Beeritz is yeah. where <laughs> surfing landed it's in Europe my cup for the tea. first time. Oh, oh, well, that's yeah. yeah, no, no, I, I like it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, sorry, interrupted. So, so no, we're that's not, right. We're not I just want to say I'm really super excited. No, we're not going to hear that today. Instead, we're gonna, we're gonna. I think we're gonna. Well, you can introduce it, David. Yeah. But um, by means of kind of like almost putting a finishing touch mm. to our ongoing debate about gravel. Yeah. I think it, it, it felt important, didn't mm. it, to hear from mm. one of the riders mm. who'd actually raced the gravel world championships. So take it away, David. What, what's, what are we about to hear? Yeah, so about, uh, this is uh, two episodes ago. Um, it was, I think, just after or just before the gravel world championships we were talking about gravel. And you asked the pertinent question, Ned, what is gravel racing? And what does it look like? No, what you, you literally said, like? what yeah. is gravel racing? And Pete okay, and I tried yeah. to answer that. <laughs> right. uh, and then we had the Worlds, and then we gave our opinions on that. But none of us really know that much about it. And uh, I, have, <laughs> I have a good friend who's an ex-teammate, Lachlan Morton, who is, yep. in many ways, the kind of... He's the pioneer the gra- of the yeah, alt yeah. scene and all these things. So on, could me, you and Ned, before we hear this lovely story... Can we enter the Gravel World Championships next year and ride it? Like, 
Or it would be easier for us because our our age group never no, mind how, just walk into how's, it. How's it yeah. work? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like triathlon. That's what I mean. But let's not go. Let's not get into the technicalities, Pete. Um, the point was that uh, that Lachlan and I. He's one of the few. We've spoken about this as well. <laughs> and this happened to be last night because Castelli are opening. Um, they just opened their first flagship store, and I was walking around with Steve Smith, who's the boss of Castelli, and. And so saw, I, like, I know Steve Smith. Yeah, and saw Fran, Vent- Fran Ventoso, who's an ex-teammate. And I, it was, I haven't Fran seen Ventoso. him in years. I know Fran Ventoso. I haven't seen him in years. And it was the big cuddle. Uh, oh, yeah. You yeah. know, he did the ex- It's a big, what, the cuddle? big cuddle. The yeah. former pro cuddle. How are you doing? Are you all right? And then oh, just yeah, switched okay. off all of the conversations. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so and that's nice. But Lachlan's the only friend I have that we actually do real stuff with as friends. Since <laughs> since retirement, and our real stuff is twice a year we go and just yeah. bunk up in the mountains and kind of do a night out camping, and so we did this last Thursday, and we just write we just write everything off and go and hang out and spend a good probably about eighteen twenty hours together, and just it's the most amazing thing. It's just way beyond because he doesn't do public life, he doesn't do like go and come out. And so we get to actually do a proper kind of nice hug and chat and hang around. And so we, and I asked him about the pod, could I talk to him and ask his opinion on gravel and the world championships? Because he actually raced it and he was there and he knows about it. And he's now the kind of the golden boy of the whole scene. And we had this lovely chat about kind of what, what it was and also where he's at. So this is quite exclusive basically. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't really. Yeah. kind of get out there much, luckily. Epic. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Apart from, he raises huge amounts of money for kind of good causes. He avoids kind of the scene. <laughs> he's just, a, yeah, he's good. You're loving Pete. And David, and David, we'll hear it. We'll hear it in a in a second. But he also Lachlan years ago, made that amazing film, didn't he, with his yeah, brother about about riding across Australia? Yeah, yeah. Thereabouts. Yeah, yeah and that's worth him and his brother Gus. Film. They kind of they do all this crazy stuff. It's a really stuff good film. There. Yeah, they're 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 they're, yeah. they're amazing, but yeah. So it's so yeah. good to hear from him, and uh, it was good to just go and and be with somebody. We're like, well, this is nice. Out of the whole pro career, you're the only <laughs> one that we hang out with. No one saw that coming. <laughs> he was like a teenager when I met him, and like, <laughs> and it's like. Yeah. Do you think you'll? Do you so, think you'll? Yeah. Do you so think you'll go lot. in a loop when when it finally happens, or? <laughs> Maybe. I think we already have. That's our elope. We're going to biannual elope. Lachlan and I. Yeah. yeah. And finally, David, <laughs> when you have the hug, Stop it. the Lachlan Miller hug, yeah. is it like. Pat on the is back, it like, or is it? Is it even? Or does one. Does one person stay <laughs> slightly longer than the other? And, you know, like, is it, mm, do you know what I mean? Is it, is, it, is it very evenly weighted? It's actually because we kind of go in just for handshake. Oh. And then and just doing a kind of a, a kind of a, a kind of semi hug. It's kind of just like, yeah. okay, we'll hug. Because it's just like, fuck, you know, we'll just, <laughs> we'll give it a hug. Because we don't need to hug. Because no one's ever seeing it. it. So it's not, it's not, a, it's not a PDA. It's not a public display of affection. No. No. So it's just like, hey, Lachlan. No. Quick hug. So, like do you know when you do that whatever. hug where yeah. no one really yeah. knows if it's like a pat on the back or like a squeeze hug? <laughs> I've, I've understood <laughs> this now. So when it happens and it becomes awkward because you're going in for the squeeze and they're patting you on the back, you've just got to pull them close to you and the squeeze pat. them. Don't let them. You've got to, you've got to yeah, cut. That's Donald Trump. Commit. <laughs> yeah. Commit. Yeah. Just commit. Get through yeah. that awkward oh. bit. Just bust through it. Bear but hug them. I also think... I think oh. COVID has complicated uh, yes. this because you get a lot of people. You get like you're going in for the hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you win the pod. Pete won, Pete the, pod. won the pod uh, again. Yeah. All right, let's hear. Let's yeah. hear Lachlan when when David met Lachlan. So in my classic fashion, we just did a brilliant uh, five ten minutes, and uh, then I realised that. Uh, I'd set the microphone to the wrong port, Lachlan. Um, so, I'll, can you paint a picture of where we are? Yeah. Um, we're at this little refugio, um, somewhere in the vicinity of Girona, that you can travel there within a few hours um, without giving away its location, uh, because this is our private little getaway. It is our hideaway, isn't it? Yeah. I've been lucky 
there's been no one here in any time we've come. <laughs> I know, it was my biggest fear today. <laughs> yeah. I said to you before I came, this would be a buzzkill if we come up here and there's other people here. Yeah, but it is quite hard to get to. Yeah. And um, it's, yeah, it's a really beautiful spot. Mm. We're looking over the valley. Um, it's very bare bones. Um, there's a couple of bunks. How, yeah. high, are, how high are we here? 1,600 meters. 1,600 meters, and it rises up behind us, and the clouds are kind of closing in. Yeah. And where we're sitting now, got our backs to the refuge, and it looks like a kind of one of those Chinese paintings of just ripples of hills fading into the distance. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I think we said before in the, the previous bit, it's, it's become, for me, one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah. And, and I mean, is it, this is the one place we catch up, right? The only place we catch up, isn't it? Come here three or four times, yeah. and... Um, yeah, it's nice to just like have a little spot to get away and like reflect and reset a little bit. That's a, kind of but what it is. This is what I love about you, Lachlan, because most you're not in Drona that often anymore, are you? Because you're based in, you don't really, you're only based Boulder mostly. Yeah, I mean, in theory, um, to be honest, like the past year, I haven't really been based anywhere. Like it's been so flat out um, that. I made the decision to get rid of my apartment in Girona to like simplify life a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, we have a base in, in Boulder. Um, but I think this year, I'm, like if I'm lucky, I might have spent four weeks there. Um, it's been like a bit of a, a whirlwind year. Um, but I do miss like being here and I really enjoy my time here now. So... What is it? I mean, this is, I think you said before, this is one of your favorite places yeah. in the world, this location where we are right now, and is for me as well. And even does, when you messaged me a few days ago and you said you were here, and with most friends, it's go out for dinner, yeah. go for a beer, and it's like, uh, or go for a coffee or lunch. And, and I was like, let me check, because <laughs> you didn't even say, because you know I could. Yeah. I'm busy and I've got three young kids and it's a weekday and I was like let's overnight because Nicole knows yeah. that this is really good for me yeah uh, because it's this is pretty magical up here there's no yeah. phone signal there exactly it's, nothing and, and it's just like I mean the landscape here is just like incredible um, and then the fact that like you have access to these like little refugios it yeah. just like it's like a, a dream, right? For yeah. me, it's just like, this is basically all I really need to be content. Mm. Um, we so. spoke about this before. If, we were, if you were blindfolded and kind of and knocked out and dropped off in a helicopter here, you'd have no idea. You could oh. be kind of... You could be anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> it would be really hard to... You can't like pinpoint. Pin it down. Yeah. I think if you looked up the hill, you'd be like, I'm in Scotland. Yeah, it does. Like it looks like Highlands. Scotland. This looks like the Highlands, yeah. Um, but then, as you said, if you look out the view, it's like, oh, yeah, you could be in China. Or, like, it's, I guess not everything New Zealand. It could be in New Zealand. You could, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but It's um, a pretty special spot. And we, like also, to that point, it's like I had a week in Girona and... Like, at the moment, the schedule is very hectic, but I was like, I really want to carve time out to do mm. this. Um, and I'm really glad we have. Yeah, so am I. So part of your your bonkers schedule this year, because it's like it, you keep raising the game with what you're doing, but then you got roped slightly back in to the Gravel <laughs> Worlds. Yeah, yeah, I did the UCI Gravel World Championships on Sunday. How was that? Um... Yeah, to be honest, it wasn't a race I wanted to do uh, initially. Uh, I didn't put it on the calendar. I heard that they were going to put it on. And um, I think, like, the U.S. gravel scene has grown really organically and is in a really good spot. And then, to me, it seemed like a bit of a grab from the UCI to, like, gain control over this booming part of cycling that you know um they didn't have any well i mean they didn't have any hand in creating um and so it seemed to me like they're like all right let's just like take this and then we can own that as well um and so yeah i was like i, I might sit that one out mm. um but then there was interest from sponsors and within the team they're like can you can you go and race um, and then the more I thought about it, 
I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be critical of something, I might as well go there and see it firsthand and see, like, what the mistakes are, why it's different in, like... That's what Bernardino did with Paris Bay. <laughs> right, yeah, really, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, he hated it, so he went and did it, but he, he went and won it. Went and won it, he, he won still it. hated yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Just told, then he could tell everyone, yeah. I hate it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah a, that was still ne- a shit race. <laughs> it was never on the cards for me. <laughs> yeah. um, but I was yeah. like, you know what, I'm going to go and, like, Try and stay open-minded and, mm. and just see what it's about. Yeah. So, I guess in short, like I had, uh, didn't have high hopes, um, but I was actually really pleasantly surprised by the whole event. Um, I think for a first time and like their first shot at it. Um, there which, were, which we, I mean, even because I, I've been quite strong in my opinions about it from watching it and kind of and also the whole vibe because we we'd said. Uh, or a part of some net at us what's gravel racing and I said I don't know because no one's ever actually watched it right it's not a spectator sport you can't watch it it's a yeah. participation sport yeah which is this real kind of like you were saying before about the UCI grab because the reason gravel's done so well is because it is it has that it's an adventure yeah no yeah. one knows exactly yeah and in that uh, like to that point it's really undefinable um, so there was a lot of people, I think, saying after the race on the weekend, like, oh, that wasn't a gravel race. But the second you say that, you're trying to define a sport yeah. that is undefinable. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a mistake, you know? Mm. Um, I think, like, the the race itself was hugely exciting to be a part mm. of. Um, you had, like, a real mix of athletes mm. and, like, from different disciplines, different skill sets. Mm-hmm. And the course largely leveled that to where there was um, parts that favoured road riders, parts that favoured mountain bikers, parts that favoured just gravel riders, mm. um, whatever that means. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, I actually don't know what that skill set involved. Um, <laughs> but... No, actually, I had a really fun weekend, and it was cool to see the way they um, engaged, like, age group athletes, and Mm. that was, like, a very big part of... That's what I think is really important with it. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Like, I mean, if you you just had, uh, I think it was 50 female athletes Mm. and then 150 Mm. male athletes race, um, the vibe would have been wildly Mm. different, but... At the finish line, it was kind of like a bit of a party, you know, yeah, like yeah. There, a yeah. bunch of people finishing, um, like at the same time and cool. the atmosphere was really cool. Um, and I think the, the style of racing here is always going to be different. Like the same way that road racing in the U S mm. is different than it is to racing in Europe mm. generally. Like it's a lot more small roads, paths, mm. mixed terrain. Um, but I actually think that opens it up to you could have some really cool racing. Like yeah. I think on the the first fifty k of the course, which you probably might have been before coverage, so no one could actually. Yeah, see I read it. about it afterwards, and it was just extreme. Like first it's k, insane. Yeah, just bonkers for eighty k. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah. there was a grid start. We started yeah. straight up a climb. I got flicked on the grid. They needed to improve oh, that. Oh god, yeah, um, that was ridiculous. So I like, that. yeah, I like had to come through a bunch of people, and then you went into this like bike path kind of single track downhill after like two or three K and there was people just going everywhere. <laughs> like I was like desperate to move forward. I crashed twice on that downhill <laughs> and still moved up like 15 <laughs> spots. And then you hit this single That's track fun. and like I was just boosting the outside. And then like I came off that just behind the first yeah. group and was with like this, uh, like the guy's name escapes me, but he's a Austrian mountain biker who's like really big in the marathon scene. And like, Kalamajan, like that. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Kalamajan, yeah, Lillian. Yeah, yeah. And, then, uh, yeah. and then me, and I was just like, what a group. All <laughs> <laughs> right, we're good a, to go, guys. Three of us Let's just go. chasing and like got back, and then once we hit the, got into the group, and went straight to the front, but then like, you know, got flicked in some little tiny like step up, and then oh, it, so it was, was just super fun to race then. Super yeah, fun. Yeah. And then like, okay. um, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, but to put it into, just put it in perspective as well, because I, I geeked out. Since that, I was reading on Vela News, they had kind of Mathieu van der Poel's power file for kind right. of the race. And it was like the first, because he drilled at the first kind yeah. of 30Ks or so. 
And but I mean that's pure world tour kind of form and specific yeah. training. But you'd come off when did you do the Colorado Trail? Oh, like three weeks before, maybe. Can you just because it's the second time you've done it? I remember when we were last year, we were talking about it, and you were saying how it's the only time you've ever been scared. Yeah. Was the first time you did it? Yeah. Like, for me, that's like the ultimate bikepacking route. Mm. If you can put together a good ride on yeah. that, yeah. you can hold yourself like anywhere. Huh. Um, how far is it? It's basically 800k. And um, you're li- you go, you're middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. The average altitude is over 3,000 meters. Like a lot of super, super technical terrain. Mm. Um, and you probably hike, I think I hiked like 10 hours. Um, and the first time scarred me. So your lights I, failed the first time, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, the first yeah. time I was a mess. It's a, like riding it again. I was like thinking back to the first time I did it. I was like, I don't know how I got out of this without like getting into a really serious situation um it took me three years to like basically and how so just so people know so you're going fkt so how long is the how long does it take uh it it takes like well it took me three days 11 hours or something um so fkt is far less the fastest known time yeah yeah yeah. and i I wasn't going back purely for fkt i was going back because i was like uneasy like, just close like I said, it, get I'd, back in the saddle. Like, yeah. anytime I thought, like, I had things together, I would measure it against the Colorado Trail and be like, mm-hmm. how would I hold myself there? And I felt like I was finally at a spot where I was like, I can go out there mm-hmm. and push hard on that trail and be comfortable. And did you, so if you also had dual reason for that, because the first time you did it, was it simply part of your kind of stepping into the outdoor world and finding new challenges for yourself yeah well i just come off uh gb juro and i was like oh that was extreme like yeah. there can't be many races out there like mm. that and then i was headed back to colorado and i was like that was the next thing so i just mm. like packed just... my bike up and went and man it's a whole nother level you yeah. know um mm. i came apart like so many times on that mm. and it's actually now I look back at it it's miraculous that i i finished it mm. um but left damage yeah it left damage to where i was like i would think about it at least once a week for the last oh, three years wow. okay to be like yeah. i need to go and like make peace with that trail yeah. and yeah. i had like i literally had a week gap in mm. the schedule and i was like i'm just gonna go do it i need mm. to go do it mm. and um like went and made it happen but yeah that effort is so different than the effort required but then you for, also like, did something that was kind of you raise money how much do you end up raising for that one? For Sule? Uh, I'm not sure what the number was. Um, that, yeah, I mean, there's a, it's still a hard one to talk about. Mm. Um, you met Sule. My man, um, he's amazing. He was amazing. And yeah, I was lucky yeah. enough to spend a, a lot of time with mm. him this year. And mm. um, he, like, tragically lost his life uh, in a race in Vermont. And... So for our listeners, this is a part of the Amani team, which is... A, yeah, Sule was like a, yeah. a rider from Kenya who was really like pioneering the trail uh, for riders from that part of the world. Mm. And like almost single-handedly created a whole bunch of opportunities for riders there, mm. um, as well as like Blaze's own trail um, in a world that... I mean, cycling's typically been very close to that part of the world. Um, and he'd done a lot and had a lot still to do. Um, and yeah, we'd, he'd actually just been in Boulder um, and come to Leadville with us and then went on mm. to another race uh, and had a crash um, that was... Yeah, he died tragically. In yeah, he, yeah. And yeah. Um, that, like, I mean, part of... The did that, final did that, push to yeah. to to go and do the ride because you get closer to something like that and especially something so difficult, it's very easy to come up with excuses yeah. as to why you shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and I was very quickly coming up with them. Um, and then, yeah, it became an opportunity to, to try and um, raise more funds for his family, uh, which is super important, um, especially because... I mean, he was providing for a lot of people there, mm. um, but also 
I took it as an opportunity to try and um, like process his passing myself mm. a bit. Uh, so yeah, that became like the purpose. The, yeah, the real motivation behind it and the like external the, purpose, the final push. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's really, it's a real fine line when you do difficult things like that. I always try and make it um, the least external as possible mm. uh, because like when you get in really difficult situations it's best to have to lean back on yourself mm -hmm. um but it actually became like a very positive drive for me like like through that ride um it's super impressive i mean kind of to to kind of finish on that going back to how you've because again when and this is the trajectory i think we've, we've spoken about this before but it's a different podcast different audience etc but um you are one of the most talented racers of your generation who then made a decision to take a different trajectory and then a pioneering that that was that trajectory that different area so it's quite interesting how i think that juxtaposition so i got uci gravel but you're doing that you've been taking that sort of journey and it's it's not just a a kind of a a commercial thing yeah i There's mean i think like if you look at the the motivations behind um a lot of the riding and like especially when i step into a race now mm. it's it's primarily about discovering something new and trying to develop a skill or test myself in a very different way mm. than i have before um and the UCI gravel worlds actually became a chance to do that. Yeah, it's against an experiment. Exactly, yeah. and to try and race then against, like you said, the very best of mm. like world tour riders. Mm. Um, it requires something different of you, and mm. uh, I kind of realized the reason. I think the reason I didn't want to do it is because I wasn't sure I could. Yeah, I mean it's daunting when you're going against guys who've been like, yeah. machine and, robotic, and then that, that's a, not a good reason not yeah. to do it. No. You know, I could have yeah. sat at home and then watch it from TV and mm. being critical mm. you when in the back of my head it. knowing that I'm like, shit, I think I would have been dropped. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> like, like uh, I think that's a lot easier to do. I could have won that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, that's not that was easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not crumb. But I thought it was important to like go and actually experience it. Mm. And I'm so glad I did. Um, yeah. I think like there are a lot of things that could be improved like any first year event. Mm -hmm. Um but I thought they were really doing their best to mm -hmm. try and put on like an inclusive uh event yeah. that was something different. And um in the end it was just like a real racer's race. You yeah. know? Like which yeah. But that's I think what, that's like what in I world thought. tour racing now you can't yeah. you, it's so quantifiable, yeah. right? Like you put a team on the front at a certain point and it's like if you can't push X watts, you know. So here's a really interesting phenomenon I've noticed kind of since I was being critical of it on, on our podcast and saying, I watched it and it was boring. Because right. I only got the second part and yeah. then yeah, yeah. it wasn't road racing. But then I spoke to a friend called Andrew. I spoke to a couple more friends. But met Peter, my friend, just leaving Drona today. And they watched it and loved it yeah. because they could relate to it. Right. Because right. they felt like, oh, we do that. And they had friends in it. Totally. They knew people who'd done the same course who were coming back telling them stories. Yeah. So it was a completely different kind of thing for the viewer. Me, as a kind of a, a, an ex-World Tour pro racer and commentator of World Tour racing, was right. like, well, uh, this, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. This isn't racing. Sure. Because it's not. It's a completely different discipline. It's a totally different thing. Yeah, it's and a totally different thing. I think if you ended up doing circuits on like the first little lap we did, yeah. it would be wildly exciting. <laughs> yeah. You know? Break it up. I think it's probably what they'll do next year. Okay. Um, and... I think oh, if you make the yeah. course like difficult and enough where it's like there's more climbing and then there's there's more technical spots like the team tactics mm. won't cuz like, for the first yeah. 60k there was no space for team tactics cuz it was just a just, fight you know like and and it was like so good like absolutely we, yeah just chaos. With, with, and then with, and then like yeah. the, it came like basically I fought like I was like I have to make this first group and it whittled all the way down to 20 riders. That's when Vanderpool was just like ripping its pieces. Ripping. And it was like kind of crosswind yeah. on these yeah. like single tracks. And like, it was just, I was like, <laughs> what is happening? And I was like, and how am I here? 
Like there was one point it was like I was last wheel and then Why am I here? Was, How am I here? Sagan was in front of me. Oh no. Just dangling. You know, dangling, dangling. And we came through this feed zone and I was like, I know I need these bottles because like I started with one bottle and the next feed's gonna be at hundred K. So I was like, I'm gonna do hundred K on one bottle. It's like, but if I take this bag here, I'm gonna be dropped. Sagan, I think, slowed down to take a bottle or a bag. He got dropped. Oh. And then I, I was like, no, I'm not doing it. And then I made it. And like, so I fully committed. See, racing mentality is still there. Yeah. That's totally. full race. Only a racer knows to do that. Yeah. And yeah. like, so then we were like 20, 20 guys after 50Ks. And I was definitely yeah, I feeling this, like the odd one out. Yeah. And then um, I like slowly kind of got my way to the front. And I was like, I might be able to sneak away here. Like, I was like, no one knows who the fuck I am. I've got hairy legs. Like, I might be able to sneak away here and, like, attacked it. We went under a bridge and then ran out of talent. <laughs> like, the group, like, I think a Belgian guy chased back. And then over the top of me, Os and the guy. Oh, that's when they went. For they me, went. For mesh. Yeah, for mesh. And I was the wheel, like, kind of chasing. And I was yeah. like, ah, fuck, I'll let someone else. <laughs> do that oh my god you were there when that happened and then the race went and the whole thing stopped and then like maybe <sighs> shoulda woulda coulda 80 riders you'd already back. used up your brilliant race decision so <laughs> exactly <laughs> you're taking away with it twice borrowed time like, you know, um, we have this thing with the we're doing our first <laughs> NSF never straight as far building a race portfolio so we're doing a cyclocross event uh, in Torbay um, November 19th 20th on the national series by the way yeah so we're part of that we're going to do something somewhere else uh, beginning of next year. But imagine if we organized a gravel race that we created here. Oh, man. Like Hunger Games. I've already got the course. <laughs> I put a course together already this year. And I was like, this is my interpretation of gravel. And oh. every every person who I've like... I was actually putting it together. It was supposed to be an event. And they're just like... This is too much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, okay. Like, this is way We'll too discuss much. that offline. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to happen. I have the course. <laughs> I have the course. Yeah. All right. Um, well, thanks, Lachlan, for contributing to our Never Strays Far podcast and educating people on the gravel worlds and what you're up to. Yeah. You know, no worries, we'll Dave. <laughs> keep listening to bells. <laughs> <laughs>